please stand for the reading of the word. It's going to be Revelations 3, 14 through 22. And the angel of God said to the Laodosians, right, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witnesses, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need for nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and want garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I, have over, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Will you pray with me? My Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day and I just thank you again for this opportunity to serve. Father, I just ask that you'll be with my wife and kids as they travel today. And Father, I just pray that this message will just uh, touch the hearts and souls of each one of us. And I just pray that you'll open our minds and our hearts to better understand your word. Father, I love you. I praise you. I ask you to say in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. So, many of y'all know I went on a walk back in 2012. So when I came off the walk, I was on fire. I was pumped up and I was ready to serve God. Started reading my Bible, going to church, praying, doing all the things I knew I was supposed to do. But I didn't know how to be a Christian. I didn't know what it looked like. I didn't know what I was supposed to do, how I was supposed to act. So I started watching the people at church, what they were doing, not only inside the church, but outside of the church. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, got my, I got my CDL. I got a job working in the oil field. I met two guys that were working there. Both of them have pretty much the same background as I did. Both of them have been on Emmaus walks. Both of them claim to be Christians. So I thought I was set. You know, I'm going to church. I've got some Christian friends, so I'm just going to do what they do. Well, before long, I was back to drinking, cussing, cheating, blackmailing people, doing whatever I had to do. And this was just the norm. I mean, nobody said anything. As long as you went to church on Sunday morning, it was fine. So I soon learned that the biggest enemy of new Christians isn't Satan. It's lukewarm Christians. It's the ones that want the freedom from the punishment of sin, but don't want the freedom of sin. It's the ones that will preach to you, don't worry if you sin, it's okay, God's grace is enough, without talking about repentance. See, in Isaiah 29, 13, the Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but the worship of me is based on merely human rules that they have been taught. So in Revelation 3, Jesus addresses the church full of believers that were neither hot nor cold. Not like cold, dead unbelievers, but not on fire for Jesus. See, lukewarm Christians are people that come to church, and they believe the message of God, but they're not truly sold out for Jesus and not fully engaged in his mission. In other words, it's like saying, you know, I'll drink hot coffee, or I'll drink iced coffee, but nobody wants room temperature coffee. But Jesus says he'll spit that out, and that's pretty deep. So in Matthew 25... Jesus gives us three parables and warns us, warns us about being lukewarm. 
The first one is verses 1 through 13. It's the parable of the ten bridesmaids. It says, Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took their oil in their vessels and their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterwards, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you, neither, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. So in this parable, we learn that the, we're all responsible for our own spiritual condition. And spiritual preparation cannot be bought or borrowed at the last minute. So the next one is verses 14 through 30. And it's the parable of the loan money. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, who called his servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to the other two, and to the other one, each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on his journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who received two talents, two gained two more also. But he who had received just one went and dug in the ground and hid the Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled the accounts. So he who received the five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things, and I will make you a ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. He said to the Lord, Well done, good and faithful servant. And you have been faithful over a few things, and I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the world. Then he who had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you were a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you had not scattered seed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, here, look, there you have what is yours. But the Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, and I gather where I have not scattered. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and in my coming I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him, and give it to him who has ten talents. For to, for to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away and cast into the unprofitable servant into the utter darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. See, this parable tells us the importance of using the gifts that God's given us to further his kingdom. And one of the details that really stuck out to me is that he called him wicked. You know, the guy didn't go gamble the money away or drink the money away or buy prostitutes or drugs or anything else. He just took it and buried it. 
and gave every penny of it back to him. But he was still called wicked. So to me, it shows that there's more than one way to be wicked. You can be wicked by ignoring the Ten Commandments, or you can be wicked by failing to invest your life into furthering God's kingdom. One makes you wicked by the sin of commission. The other makes you wicked by the sin of omission. So the last one will be verses 3 through 40, or 31 through 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all his, and all his holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from his goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. And the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. For I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? When do we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to him, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me also. Then he will say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will answer him, saying, Lord, when do we see you hungry and thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Assuredly, I say to you, Inasmuch as you did not do to one of the least of these, you did not do to me. And they will go into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So this parable we learn about the willingness to look at the other's needs and to be a servant. You see, we have to put all these three together in order to understand what it means to truly follow God. And here's the thing about these parables, there's no middle ground. You're either in or you're out. You're either a sheep or a goat. So what are the signs of a lukewarm Christian? Lukewarm Christians go where the current goes. In a conflict, they will often pick whatever side is the most popular over what is actually right. They have a deep desire to look good in the eyes of the church, but also in the eyes of the world. They care more about how others see them and less about how God sees them. Luke 16, 15, Jesus said to them, You are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in, the, in God's sight. Number two, lukewarm Christians are easily inspired by stories of radical Christians. They love to hear the stories about other Christians and the things they've done for Jesus, but yet they don't act. They give praise to their friends who do the things with a man that is awesome, or I wish I could be more like you, but they do nothing about it. They assume that such boldness or radicalness is for the super or extreme Christians and not for the everyday Christians. Lukewarm Christians call radical what Jesus expected from each one of his followers. James 4:17. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is a sin for them. 
Number three, lukewarm Christians are afraid to speak the truth. In a group setting where others in the group don't share the same beliefs, lukewarm Christians won't speak up. They are afraid of being rejected by the world and feel uncomfortable in bringing conflict into group settings about the truths of God that don't line up with worldly views. Matthew 5, 11 and 12. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the way they were persecuted, for in the same way they prosecuted the prophets who were before you. Number four, lukewarm Christians pick and choose their own beliefs. They like, they like to bring their own meaning to the Bible, and they forget that it already has a preset meaning and intentions behind every word and every piece of text. They pick and choose scripture that fits their pre-existing ideas and the worldly views, or they pick and choose their beliefs based on their comforts. James 2.10 for whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking them all. Number five, lukewarm Christians often feel good about themselves. So when you, truly start to, when you truly begin to pick up your cross and follow Jesus, you start to realize just how far off the mark you really were. However, lukewarm Christians consider themselves to be good compared to a secular world. They look down on others that aren't believers and feel satisfied that they put in just a little bit more effort than so-and-so at being a good person. Luke 11, 18, Luke 18, 11 and 12. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, or adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth to all I get. So number six, lukewarm Christians love those who love them back. They have a limited capacity for love. Their love for others is focused on what they can get back. They may have a little love to give to others, but they definitely don't have the love to give to those who intentionally hurt them. Lukewarm Christians love, con love others conditionally or are selective on who they share their love with. Matthew 5, 43 through 47. You have heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? Number seven, lukewarm Christians feel safe and secure in their salvation by doing the bare minimum. They believe that because they go to church, sing worship, got baptized, or because they grew up in a family that's considered Christian by others, that they're secure in their salvation. This is one of the saddest signs of lukewarm Christians. That they believe that doing the bare minimum is what's required of them to be considered a good person in the eyes of the world is enough for God. Ephesians 6, 7, and 8. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will... Lord will reward each one of you whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. Number eight, lukewarm Christians love God, but with conditions. They are quick to say that they love God with their whole heart, soul, and strength. They know all the right things to say to make it look like they are strong in their faith, 
but their devotion to God isn't unconditional. They believe that they love God, but oftentimes when they are called to do something for the Lord, they will put a condition in place, whether it's too busy or that total devotion to the Lord is reserved for those super Christians or that they're too shy or that they don't like to talk or sing in front of others. Colossians 3:23 Whatever you do work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters. And lastly number 9 lukewarm Christians love to play it safe. They value their security and safety above all else. They're slaves to their own fears and don't get involved in taking risks for God. This is because the fear in their hearts is real and they don't want to take the leap in faith into the unknown. 1 Peter 2, 20 through 21. But how is it credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. See, Jesus didn't die so we could be ashamed of the gospel. He didn't die so we could be half-hearted Christians. And he didn't do all those radical things for us to be lukewarm. So how do we avoid living a lukewarm lifestyle? Number one, find a, find a quiet place to go and pray. Jesus says to go to your room, close the door, and pray to your father. Pray to him and ask him to reveal himself to you more. Tell him that you're tired of being lukewarm and that you want him to ignite a fire in you that is so bright that others can't help but to see God when they look at you. Ask him to use you as a vessel to further his kingdom. Number two, spend more time in his presence. Turn off the TV. Turn off the cell phone. Open the Bible. Sing worship songs. Journal. Talk to him. Meditate. Make it not only a habit, but a priority to spend more time with him. And I'll, I'll close with this. Take the leap of faith. If you feel as if God has been calling you or directing you into something, go for it. It may be scary, but God is always with you. As Matthew West said in one of his songs, this could be day one of the rest of your life. So we're going to pray, and the altar will be open. If anyone has any prayer that they would like to receive, or if anyone wants to join the church, the altar will be open. Well, Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this message. Father, I just pray that this message will just get into our hearts, into our minds, and that uh, we'll just wake up and just follow you wholeheartedly, Father. I just pray that, that a revival will just burn through this community, Father, but I know that it starts in our hearts, Father. So I just pray that you'll change each and every one of us. Father, I love you, I praise you, and I give you all the glory. I ask you things in Jesus' name. Amen.